welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Happy holidays, everybody. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Kiefer Blakesley, and we've got a wonderful show for you today. We're going to be talking about the films Paddington 2, Star Wars, The Last Jedi, The Greatest Showman, The Post, and Ferdinand. Today on this wonderful show, we're going to, we have a wonderful special guest for you today. We have the writer and creator of the new anime show, The Deep. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Tom Taylor with us today. Thank you so much, Mr. Taylor, for being on the show. Thanks for having me. So, first of all, let's get to know you a little bit. Tell us a little bit about how The Deep came to become an animated show because you're originally the author of the book that this show is based off of. Uh, yeah, so we had a series of graphic novels, um, which won awards and stuff. Hooray. And I wrote those with an artist called James Brower. He's amazing. If you look at the if you look at the comics at all, you'll realize you'll just go, yes, this guy, he's great. And <laughs> basically Technicolor saw that, saw exactly what I saw, saw just how good this could be and the potential in it. Uh, we had a guy called Robert Chandler show it to them. And things just went very, very quickly from there. We just we we had ABC here in Australia. We have uh, DHX Nerdcore back then in Canada, and suddenly we were putting a show together. And my background is obviously, you know, I work for Marvel, I work for DC. I'm currently writing uh, Wolverine, X Men, Injustice for DC Comics. I write Superman and Batman and stuff. Uh, but this is something different. This is something beautiful and pure and joyous. <laughs> the deep is. You know, it's something that I wanted to write something that I could share with my kids instead of the nasty, horrible, violent things that I write for Marvel and DC. And now, yeah, we're on Netflix. We're on in over 120 countries around the world. We're on Universal Kids. And the thing is just, you know, it's grown so quickly. And I have to admit, it is a pretty fantastic show. I was able to uh, catch a couple episodes before talking to you. And I like it because it is, I get kind of the sense of Johnny Quest, but if they had a submarine and they were going off in deep sea adventures. And it literally, it feels like the, the graphic novel has leaped off the pages and finally been manifested into a pretty fun and entertaining television show. So I think it's interesting. It's fantastic because usually when you get adapted, like a story is adapted into like a television show or a movie, it's great that they had you come out, come aboard and become an actual writer of it. Was that a concern of yours that, oh, they want to make it into a te- television show. Can I still keep it? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, I don't know if it was... A concern because we we're always part of the process, and I think we we're very lucky because James, the artist, um, has a background in animation. So him coming on board as art director meant that, as you say, the graphic novels, it really does translate perfectly to the TV series because you've got James making sure it does, and you've got all these people at Technicolor and DHX who who fell in love with the graphic novels. They didn't fall in love with the concept. They fell in love with this. Um, and with, with the Necton family in that place. So they wanted it to translate to screen as well. They wanted to see what they loved there on the screen, and that's what we're seeing. 
Now, I, I have a question about how, like, the story came to be, because, like, I understand you have a background of doing DC and Marvel stories, but, like, what made you think about how did these characters come to life? Yeah, look, I, I think it is... This this happened because I have because of my background. I was actually writing Star Wars comics for Dark Horse back in the day, and I had a two-year-old at the time. And I just realized I couldn't show him my comics. Like, <laughs> I couldn't say... Look! Look! Look what Dad did! Look at this Jedi being stabbed through the chest. What? Why? Why don't you want to see this? What? What's going on? Um, you know, it doesn't work that way. So, I wanted to create something that I could share with my kids that, and that was, that was actually all ages. That wasn't for kids. It was for everybody. It was like a Pixar movie in a book. Something that parents could read with their children at night, and everybody could enjoy. And that's kind of the genesis of the deep. Yeah, I went looking for an artist. I got very, very lucky in finding James, and he had young kids and wanted to do exactly the same thing. And the deep was born. And I think the reason why it is, as you say, a, a family of underwater explorers who live in a submarine, I just think that had such potential. I was really surprised when I thought of it and realized it hadn't been done before. It is lost in space underwater. It is, as you say, Johnny Quest, it's all of these sort of kids' own adventures thrown into this environment which we know very little about i think you look at the oceans and it really is it's like the final frontier right here at home it's like space only the difference between the ocean and space is in the ocean there's actually really cool stuff to see <laughs> there are so many things living there you go to space and everyone's always looking up there and going let's go to the next planet let's see this it's like you'll get there and there's nothing there whereas <laughs> The oceans, there's there's giant creatures and small creatures and things that, that that look more alien than anything we'll ever see in outer space. So I think for me there was something really exciting about that. I would agree. I mean, when I was younger, I've always wanted to be a marine biologist because oh, perfect. <laughs> the sea is fantastic. It's just full of so many fascinating creatures, and we've only scratched like the tiny surface of what we could find there. So. It's just the creative possibilities are endless. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley. We're going to continue the show talking about the films, The Greatest Showman, Star Wars, The Last Jedi, and A Gumby Christmas, and Ferdinand. We're going to continue our conversation with Mr. Tom Taylor about the new animated show, The Deep. So I'm curious, what can your uh, audience expect that they haven't yet had? Like, What are you excited, most excited for? Yeah, well, look, we're seeing we're seeing a character called Elpheus Benthos, who's we had sort of a, a mystery in season one. These strange guardians and someone who was clearly working with his own agenda, and in season two, you've got Elpheus Benthos, who's a much younger character living aboard a, a much cooler submarine <laughs> with an artificial intelligence. It's just him and his AI. Very lonely existence, but he's happy enough. And he offers a real, a really different threat. We also have the return of our underwater pirates. We have the return of Devil Daniels, the over-the-top monster hunter who wants everybody to love him. You know, so you're seeing some great returns. And, and just like season one, you're getting these mysteries and legends that, that come from real life that we then push just a little bit further. But it's all based on, on truths. Uh, and that's another reason why I like the show is because... It does bring back, like, lore and legends of the deep. And 
adds kind of like an it adds of course an adventure quality to it because I mean I think it's interesting that we get so many stories out there and some people think oh there's no stories to tell but there's so many amazing lore and so many mythologies and these creatures like do something about that so was that something that did a lot of the lore that you guys researched and write this like inspire you to say like oh I want to see this animated yeah absolutely I mean it kind of came it was a bit like a chicken and egg thing where once it was animated we we went from two graphic novels to oh we've got 39 episodes now we can't just talk about the two things we talked about in the graphic novels we really need to dig down and luckily we have a great team of writers and our script edited philip dolkin and and we've you know we've sat in rooms and we just came up with more and more and more and anybody watching will know that our characters are now searching for the lost land of lemuria but in the other to the other that you're talking about all the legends everything we talk about is based on some truth whether it's you know, our, one of our first episode is called Here Be Dragons, and it's about searching for a sea monster off the coast of Greenland, and it's based on a sighting by a guy called Hans Agetti uh, <laughs> in the 1700s, and that's true. Like, we went back looking for the most famous monster sightings, and we found this one where an entire crew of people on a ship all claimed to have seen this sea monster and described it, and we went, well, let's do that. And so we did, you know, and... And it's the same with all of our creatures. We have a story about a megalodon. We go and see colossal squid, which we know are down there, but we've never seen in their natural environment. Um, we use mimic octopuses and push them just a little bit further so that they mimic things a bit better. Um, everything is based on something. It is, but it's it's interesting because it's you guys, you and your wonderful team writers, managed to create a show that's really just amazing and fun for the whole family. So thank you so much for the show. It's great. I uh, thank you for watching. Yeah, it's fantastic. So um, one last question. What do you think is the most fulfilling part of this whole process from graphic novel to now animated television show? I think it's just realizing how many people are watching it. It's, it's a really interesting thing. I mean, TV, I write comic books and I tend to get feedback straight away. <laughs> so there'll be someone on Twitter within half an hour of the comic coming out going, Tom, that was amazing. Or Tom, that wasn't amazing. Um... I don't know if you're familiar with the internet, but sometimes it's harsh. Whereas animation, you you work on something for, you know, a year. And the teams of animators and storyboards and writers and modelers, and, and you put it out there and you tend to forget, oh, man, people are watching this. And then you find out just how many people are watching this. The fact that we're, we're number one in the UK and number one in Greece and we're on in Welsh and we're on in Icelandic and we're on in China and, you know, we're in all these different languages. And when you realize that and you actually meet kids, like I go to conventions and sign my comics and stuff and, and kids come up to me and they tell me their favorite characters and their favorite episodes and you realize this is what it's about. This is why I wrote this because I wanted kids to enjoy it and they are. I think that's got to be the most rewarding thing. I can't wait to see what more this family's going to go through, and I can't wait to see more seasons from the show. So thank you so much, Mr. Tom Taylor, for talking about The Deep. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. This show is out on Netflix and also Universal Kids Network. For more information, go to www.thedeepanimator.com to check out all the fun schedules and also games on, the, on that wonderful website. With that said, let's take a break. I am your host, Kiefer Blakesley, and this show is sponsored by The Prince Box Set. 
Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Sahiba, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about Tom Taylor of the Deep, and next we will be talking to Jolene on Paddington 2. Welcome to the show, Jolene. Thank you. So I love the first Paddington movie. So what adventures does Paddington go on in the second movie? So in the second movie, Paddington wants to find the perfect gift for his Aunt Lucy's 100th birthday. But then there are some like challenges with getting the gift. He decides on a perfect gift, but then it gets stolen from the store and then he gets framed for stealing it. And it's like really crazy. Oh, no. (laughs) How did you feel in watching it? Like you said, I'm sure there's a lot going on. Were you excited? I actually really liked it because, like, it it wasn't predictable. So, like, there was a lot of parts when I was really surprised. I also cried a lot for, like, different reasons. Sometimes it was, like, for sadness. Other times it was, like, for happiness. But, yeah, I cried a lot. <laughs> oh, it sounds like a roller coaster of a movie. <laughs> yeah. How was the voice acting? The voice acting was pretty good. Um, for Paddington, though, um, you, I think they keep saying in the movie that he's, like, just a young cub, but, like, the voice, the voice of Ben Wishaw doesn't really sound like a young cub, so, like, it's kind of, like, weird hearing a grown man's voice come out of a young cub. Oh, that is weird. Yeah, and how is the animation talking about Paddington? He's a animated character so how was um his animation his animation was like really realistic like when the when the brown family was interacting with paddington it seemed as if he was actually there and like they were actually like talking and bonding with the character so i thought it was really cool that they made it made it possible for paddington to still be interacting with the family and it make it seeming real. 
great. So I see a lot of characters in this film. Did you have a favorite one? I think my favorite character was Mrs. Brown because she was like really open to any ideas and she was really, really determined to get Paddington back home safely. And she's down to do anything if it's to save Paddington, you know? That's so sweet. So I know you said earlier there was a lot going on, many happy moments and many sad moments. Was there a moment where you were laughing so hard that you couldn't stop? Yeah, there were a lot of, like, funny jokes that were cracked during it. And it wasn't only me. It was, like, the entire audience, like, adults and, like, the young children. Everyone got the joke. And it was, like, really funny. And there were, like, multiple jokes. And I really, like, enjoyed it. Oh, that's nice. I love it when the audience feels like a family and all laughs together and cries (laughs) together. So... How are the sets in the background? It seems that he goes to a lot of places in his adventure. Yeah, the backgrounds for each place really sets the mood for for the scene. For example, I think it was in the rainforest where Aunt Lucy and Uncle Pastuzo, they were like hanging out in the rainforest and everything like, even though there was a raging waterfall, They made everything sound so calm and happy because they were just having a good time. And then in another setting, like in the jail, in the prison, it seemed very dark and very lonely. But then when a little bit changed and everything got a little bit brighter, you could really see that through through the backgrounds. And it was really cool to see how they could set a different mood with just the background. Thank you so much for talking about Paddington. I'm super excited to see this film. And really quickly, what would you say the star rating would be? I give this five out of five stars. It was really a really good movie for the age recommendation for ages three to 18. But honestly, even adults would enjoy this because there were multiple adults in the theater and like everyone was laughing. Oh, I cannot wait to watch this movie. Well, it was great to talk to you. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for interviewing me. You are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. Today, we're talking about The Deep, Paddington 2, Star Wars The Last Jedi, The Greatest Showman, The Post, and Ferdinand. Right now, we're going to be talking to Michelle, Carla, and Arjun on Star Wars The Last Jedi. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited for this movie. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. So if you hear me geeking out a little bit while you're talking about just please excuse it. <laughs> so <laughs> tell me a little bit. What is um, Star Wars The Last Jedi about? Pretty much, it kind of continues off of the Force Awakens. So, um, as you do, if you did watch The Force Awakens, and you know that Luke Skywalker kind of comes back at the end. Um, so, Rey actually pretty much becomes the trainee, I guess, that Luke Skywalker will teach how to become like a greater, I guess, I don't want to give it away. But, you know, she pretty much develops her new um, abilities with the guidance of Luke Skywalker himself. And he kind of is surprised at her powers. And at this whole time that this is happening, um, the Resistance and the First Order are like at war with each other. So it's a pretty intense movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I bet. I'm super excited. (laughs) Okay, Arjun, why don't you tell me? How did you feel in watching? Were you super excited? 
Uh, yeah, I was definitely super excited going in. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I really liked The Force Awakens. I know many didn't, but I thought it was just a classic return to the good old feel of like the old Star Wars movies. And I got to say, this movie mostly lived up to my hype. There were a few things which I was a little disappointed on, but the story this time is much better. You know, it's it's a little bit darker, but it's also extremely, you know, funny with all the jokes, which most of them do land. But and I just really like seeing Luke Skywalker back on the screen. I mean, he's always he's always been my favorite like hero character. So seeing Mark Hamill reprise the role was just like a wonder to watch. And I really like Ray's like new like just journey at becoming a hero. And of course, Kylo Ren. You know, all of these characters are well developed. They're just well done. You know, you feel for their motives and like the reasons of why they are doing what they do. And there's also a lot of exciting action. Oh man, just you saying their names is getting me pumped. But um, so tell me, you were on the topic of Luke Skywalker, who was also one of my favorite characters. <laughs> so tell me, how has he evolved over all of the movies? Like, I would say he's definitely gone into retirement after his failure failure of handling Ben Solo, who is Kylo Ren, as revealed from the last movie. And, you know, he is this hopeless person. Like, he is just, like, beyond hope. He's adamant on his decisions. He refuses to help the re- resistance. Like, he is just the most hopeless person you've seen ever. It, like, you know, it is... It is almost shocking to see him go from like one of the like the most hope-filled characters who would like fight for like the good side and win against the evil side to someone who has just lost all hope and it, and of course this is one of his main struggles in the movie is like just learning to like live with what has happened and like help the resistance and what is going on and I think this is a great struggle for the character to face and it is also it is also kind of new to see like how he's just a lot more brooding now and just like dark and like extremely mean sometimes but like he he and also like i said all of the characters motives they're they're just well like explained like you can feel for every character's motives and like you feel for luke and you understand like why he is like basically holding everyone back and i think this is one of the most engaging plot points of the movie yeah wow yeah i would never expect luke skywalker to get angry (laughs) but uh michelle can you tell me a little bit about the sets and the costumes because of course they're in the galaxy fighting and their costumes are really uh different so tell me a little bit about that oh i absolutely love just everything the cinematography especially and and the the setting where they shot it, it was in ireland i know they went to um croatia as well and it was just breathtaking they did such an incredible job setting up each and every single shot and it didn't look like it was ireland or croatia it looked like star wars you know like in a galaxy far away um so they did an incredible job at that and the costumes as always are incredibly detailed and just amazing and uh, i just loved just everything that went on behind this movie really great wow yeah i'm super excited so tell me also a little bit about the special effects because of course there are a lot of those Oh, yeah, the special effects are, well, they're always crazy. Star Wars always does an incredible job. But um, it was, uh, it's incredible because especially since the Resistance and um, the First Order are at war, there is so, just think about how many people are shooting at each other and, and everything is so 
precise and just flawless that it's insane to even think about how many hours somebody had to sit behind a computer to do all of that um so it's it's just incredible and it's it looks real which is crazy to say obviously because lightsabers even though i wish they were are not real but um yeah just everything about the special effects and the graphics just it was just flawless yeah, that sounds really amazing. So, Carla, can you tell me a little bit about the acting? There's an awesome cast. Daisy Ridley, of course, the great Mark Hamill, Adam Driver. So what did you think of the acting? I thought the acting was great. I loved how Kylo Ren, or well, the actor Adam Driver, he was, um, like, he was very dark, like, his character, especially, especially when he was, like, connecting with Rey through the force like he acted like cold and also with um mark hamill he also acted very dark which is different for his character so he was very dark and also rude and it was like very different yeah kylo ren is one of my favorite bad guys so i have to ask i know that porgs are a very controversial thing in star wars so are they cute to you or are they just annoying? I actually find them cute. So, Arjun, can you tell me who is your favorite character? Because there are a lot of awesome people in this movie. Ooh, that is a tough one. Like I said, because Luke Skywalker is just my favorite hero ever. Like, when I grew up watching the movies, I was just like, that guy, like, that's who I want to be when I grow up. And, of course, it would have to be Mark Hamill's, you know, as Luke Skywalker, just because I like the brooding edge he delivered to this character. Like, that's the good evolution of a character. Like, he's a flawed person. He's not perfect. Like, he saved the galaxy and all of that. But, like, he's not a perfect person. He goes through an inner struggle. And, like, he has, like, the totally wrong ways of reacting to it by letting everyone just, like, just, he doesn't, like, want to face his problems. He just wants to stay behind and, you know, let it eat him up. And I just think that it added a new, like, emotional conflict to the story. Yeah, that sounds really great. I'm pretty sure if I watched this movie, he would still also be my favorite. So really quickly, uh, Michelle, what would you think would be the star rating and the age rating? despite because i actually also wanted to mention that like the writing in this film is quite different and it, it was kind of unsettling to me because this is out of all the films ryan johnson wrote it and, and it was just it was definitely different it was a lot more comedic and because of that it, it kind of it made me double think about my rating but you know what considering everything in the acting and the from the special effects, the cinematography, I think that it's a good five out of five stars. And I recommend it for really the whole family. Awesome. And how about you, Carla? What would you give it uh, star-wise? I would give it a five out of five because I just loved everything about the movie. Like, I'm a Star Wars geek. So seeing the movie made me very, it made me geek out. And I recommend this to ages 9 to 18. But the whole family could watch it because, like, right now, everyone's going to be obsessed with Star Wars. Yes, I'm already obsessed, and the movie hasn't even come out yet. And Arjun, really quickly, you too. What would you think the star rating and age uh, range is, too? I am really tempted to give this a 5 out of 5 stars, um, and but I'm giving it a 4.5 out of 5 stars. 
And I would give it an age range from 8 to 10 just because I think kids can watch this movie. But there are a couple of scenes which are like violent and could scare younger kids. Yeah. Well, listening to all three tell me so much about Star Wars, I'm like jumping up and down right now. (laughs) So I'm super excited. And thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. So let's take a break. I'm Sahiba. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by The Little Prince Box Set. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hello and welcome back to the program, Kids First Coming Attractions. We just got done talking about Star Wars The Last Jedi, and now we're going to continue the show talking about a Gumby Christmas and Fudnad. But right now, we're talking about The Greatest Showman. And I don't know about you, but I have been super excited for this film since June. I've listened to the soundtrack. I love the music. I don't know what it is. It's probably because of Hugh Jackman's charm, but I'm so excited for this film, and I'm going to talk to Abraham about it. So, Abraham, give me some good news. Is this film good? Yes, it is uh, actually better than I thought it would be. I don't like musicals that much, but this this was like the one musical that I actually really, really liked. Wait, first of all, one musical you actually really like, have you seen La La Land? Um, no. Then you gotta watch that one too. I'm sorry, I'm a stickler for musicals. I love musicals, especially movie musicals. I think they're fun, and this one I just really got excited for. So, what did you really enjoy about this film, about P.T. Parnum? Parnum, and I really enjoyed that it was based on a true story. But it did sugarcoat a few things, which I didn't enjoy. I don't really enjoy things that are really sugarcoated. But this movie didn't need to be sugarcoated that much to make it still really well made, I felt like. Well, I feel like it's about, this This film is about, you know, one of the greatest showmen of, uh, on the planet Earth, P.T. Barnum, who really 
changed pop culture. But again, I understand what you mean. Like he did, it's not historically accurate, but I don't think it's meant to be. It's just meant to be a fun musical. And speaking of which, I've been listening to the soundtrack ever since it came out and I'm loving it. What did you think about the music? I thought the music was really good for um, a musical and a movie because usually sometimes what happens with movies is that they focus too much on the music and not much on the story. But this was more centered on the story, which I really liked. And also the music was really, really good as well. So what did you, what, were, what else were you pleasantly surprised with with this movie? I'm going to say that I was surpri- mostly surprised about how well made it felt. That was what was most surprising because I didn't feel like it was advertised as much and didn't have as much um, hype around it, if you know what I mean. I know what you mean. So what specifically about the movie? Like, was it the story? Was it the characters? Was it the overall, like, look of the film that you were just surprised that it was going to be that good? It was the overall look and, like, the set pieces that I really liked. For example, um, all, the whole movie was very, very colorful, which I liked, and vibrant, which made it super interesting. And I feel like most, based on true stories, movies aren't as colorful or vibrant or interesting because they're too accurate to, like, the truth, which this movie took, like, to another step, which I really liked. Now, what would you say is your favorite scene in the film? My favorite scene was when P.T. Barnum was inside of the bar and he was trying to convince Philip to join his circus, but he didn't want to because he had an inheritance that was very large, but he didn't want to risk running off and joining the circus and losing his inheritance. And then they start to um, dance and do a song of sorts, which I really liked. Sounds interesting. That's it's it's just got a great cast of like performers. You have Zendaya, Hugh Jackman, Zac Efron. So, what did you think about the performances in this film? I thought they were really nice. Hugh Jackman was all as always really really good at his performance, and um, Zac Efron was good as well. Another part is that I didn't know Hugh Jackman could sing or dance, which was really interesting. Yeah, to see him doing that. No, yeah, he can sing and dance. He did Broadway before he did movies, and he did Les Miserables, which he was great in, so it's great to see him performing again because he's just a natural-born performer. Very quickly, how many stars would you give this film, and what would you say is the age recommendation? I give it four out of, four and a half stars out of five, and the age recommendation is, I think, from 8 to 18, but adults will enjoy as well. Well... I'm excited to see this film. I can't wait to go check it out because I've been really excited for this film for a while. So thank you so much, Abraham, for talking about The Greatest Showman. Yep. Thank you for having me. (laughs) You're welcome. The Greatest Showman is out in theaters now, so please go check it out. Thank you so much for listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and this show is sponsored by The Little Prince Box Set. We're going to continue the show talking to Clayton about the new Steven Spielberg film, The Post. Thank you so much, Clayton, for being on the show. Uh, thank you. Now, I've already talked to Jerry about this film, our Steven Spielberg fanatic, but I'm curious to see what you thought about this film. So I think The Post is like a love letter to the American ideal of freedom of the press. And Okay, the- so definitely it's about that. So, because it's interesting because this film did not get a lot of publicity, I thought. And when I heard it was coming out, I'm like, oh, wow, we... Meryl Streep, Tom Hanks, Steven Spielberg, so many great names. How come I didn't hear about this only like a month before it came out? So um, 
were you surprised with how this film, when this film was coming out? I agree with you that it didn't get a lot of press, but it might be because it's not one of those like crazy action films that everyone always goes to. This is more like on the mature side. I feel like teens that are over like uh, that are 15, possibly 14 to 18 would like this because it's very political and can be boring at times. That's probably why I think it didn't get a lot of press. Well, I think it's also interesting is that, I mean, Bridge of Spies you can consider as political. And I had, even though it was a bit of a thriller, it's, that got a lot more press than The Post did. And that I was really that, good. That, that, that was, was a good film. That was a good film. Yeah. But it, that got a lot of press. And it was Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks and the powerhouse duo. So I'm just surprised this film, especially in this climate, didn't get that much, well... <laughs> The film about the press didn't get hardly any press, so that's interesting. But <laughs> now that most people, now that it's out, people are raving about it. Now I'm curious because, as much as I love Steven Spielberg and as much as I think he's a good director, he's, I don't think he's made something like, I mean, like standing ovation since Lincoln. I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong, he's BF. I enjoyed BFG. I enjoyed the. I enjoyed Bridge of Spies, but they just Steven Spielberg. It just has a reputation of just being good. He's a good director, and so is and Tom Hanks is a good actor. But when you have such an impressive repertoire of films, your like standards are set to a whole new level. That even you, even if you make a good film, it's not as good as like maybe like Forrest Gump or Saving Private Ryan. Do you get my drift? Yeah. Yes, I do. So. How did this film shape up to these actors' repertoires? Because you got Meryl Streep, you got Steven Spielberg, you got John Williams, you got all these big names. That how do you how do you get to that level? I think that. It, I think it was perfect because it was just so intense, and I really like enjoy intense films. And it was the music was totally like flowing through the entire. It was like. The ideal movie for, like, me, because I just love, like, sort of political stuff and intenseness. So, um, also, um, uh, Meryl Streep uh, Streep and Tom Hanks did a terrific job with their performance, as always. But I feel like they did even better because uh, I just enjoy intense films, so... you mentioned Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep. I want to talk about that for a quick second because it's interesting because these two have never really worked together in a film and they're two of the most, well, highly regarded actors and, um, well, highly regarded American actors of our time. And it's interesting because they're both two different methods. Tom Hanks plays, well, necessarily to me, Tom Hanks. He's He just plays the all-around American guy and whatever he plays. I see Tom Hanks, but he's still a really good actor. Meryl Streep, on the other hand, is more method. I don't see Meryl Streep. I see Julia Childs. I see um, The Iron Lady. I see Sophie from Sophie's Choice. Uh, So we have two different really highly regarded actors with two different methods of acting. How do they work off each other? And was it the dream team we've been waiting for? I think it really was the dream team because I feel like they have such an amazing craft together that they imbue their roles with intelligence and humanity. Interesting. And especially in your man who really, who's especially in today's day and age, were very political. Stuff. It really does match our politics since it's about the press and about 
what the press should be able to release and what they're be able to say. So how does it, do I even need to ask this question, how does it relate to nowadays and how, how do you feel like this, this movie is important to nowadays culture? Okay, so I actually thought of this a lot. So um, in this day of fake news and media bashing, this film is a refreshing story of the integrity of newspaper organizations. Spielberg is trying to show the importance of a free press in combating government malference. Now, it is award seasons coming up. Do you feel like this is a contender? What, what, what do you feel like it should be recognized for? Probably it's intensity. I'm not really sure if that's like a way it would be recognized for, but well, the like, acting, definitely acting. What about any other categories like directing or cinematography or music? The music was perfect because it flowed with the intensity. The directing is always great because it's a Spielberg. And yeah, I feel like I feel like it could win something, but I feel like it might go under the radar because of all like the politics and how it's like how it didn't get a lot of press. Well, I hope it gets, I hope word of mouth will allow this film to get a lot of the, pre, the praise that it needs. And it's a, it's has a lot of, con, there's a lot of contenders for this award season. So let's see what else it, get nom, it gets nominated for. Thank you so much, Clayton, for talking about the post. Oh, how many stars should you give this film? And what did you say is the age recommendation? The age recommendation, I would say uh, 15 to 18, uh, because younger teens may find the film boring if they are not interested in politics or media. And I give the post uh, 4.5 out of 5 stars for its exceptional use of real-life suspense. Well, I can't wait to go check it out. Thank you so much, Clayton, for talking about it. This Thank film you. is out in theaters now, so please go check it out. With that said, let's take a break. I am your host, Keeper Blakesley, and this show is sponsored by The Little Prince Box Set. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. tuned in to kids first coming attractions on the voice america kids channel Shh, turn off your phone another movie review is coming up hey welcome back i'm sahiba and you're <coughs> listening to kids first coming attractions we've been talking about the post and the greatest showman and next we will be talking with alejandra on ferdinand welcome to the show thank you 
So I've also seen this movie and it made me feel very happy. So tell me a little bit, what is it about? Well, the movie Ferdinand is about a bull who escapes from a training camp in Spain after his father never returned from a mysterious he never came back and he's adopted by a girl who lives on a farm. And later on in the plot, in the movie, as the movie goes by, he gets tra- he gets trapped again by the by where he left off. So, I mean, the whole movie is like the girl trying to find Ferdinand and Ferdinand trying to survive from where he's trapped it. Oh, yeah, it's a really emotional movie. So how did you feel when watching? Because a lot of the times there's a lot going on. Well, I love the movie. I thought it was a very, I mean, I had never seen anything like it. I had seen like, I mean, animated, like, I mean, animal movies, but I had never seen one with like this specific plot like with a ball like from from Spain like I thought it was very unique I like I think they went they like thought outside the box to create the plot for this movie yeah that's true they really did and I feel like there are not a lot of animated movies recently that are very original so how is the voice acting because there's a pretty good cast there's John Cena and Kate McKinnon yes well I thought that the creators of this movie did a great job in choosing the, I mean, the cast that was going to give the voices to the characters and make them and bring them to life. I thought they did a very good choice because each char- I mean, each character in the movie, I mean, they were very represented with like the actor or the person that did the voice. So I think they did a good job doing that because I, I mean, it didn't feel out of place when you were listening to the to the character of the animal with the voice that was coming out of their. With the voice that was coming out of them. So I think it was a good choice. Yeah, that's true. And so how was the animation? Because it plays a huge role in this movie. Yes, I thought the animation was very well done. I mean, although the movie, one thing I loved about the movie was the landscapes. I mean, it was based in Spain. So the how they portrayed and how they, I mean showed all the la- all the landscapes of Spain and not only the landscapes but how each character was very well you know animated and with a very unique touch it wasn't like I had never seen like an animation like that because I mean all of them are similar of the animated movies like they have a similar touch but the way they did it in this movie was very unique like very colorful and they it was very detailed so I like that yeah it was it's a really great and it has a really great animation. So um, while you're on the topic of unique characters, who is your favorite character? Well, I mean, Ferdinand. <laughs> Ferdinand was my favorite character. I mean, obviously, I think it's a pretty, I think it's pretty obvious, but I loved his, I love this character. I love his personality because, I mean, in, in times when, when he was expected to act, I mean, very, like, under pressured and very angry, he had, like, a, he had, like, a good side to things. He he was very positive. He tried to look, he tried to look for the good and bad. So I think his personality was very good. And also, I mean, I don't know. He was very funny. Yeah, that's really true. Ferdinand is, I think, everyone's favorite. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's the obvious one, but it's true. Like he's the best part of the movie. I mean, it's about him. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, what star rating would you give it? And age range. Well, I will give it five out of five stars. Yeah, honestly, it's one of the best animated like children movies I've ever watched. Five out of five stars, and I would say the age range maybe from um seven six years old to about 
like 15 years old. Okay, yeah, and like you said, it is a really great animation, and it is nominated yeah. for a Globe, Golden Globe, so I'm excited for that. Yes, it's just the way that they did it, like all the landscapes, how they like colored every single thing, and how they showed it was very beautiful. It was, it was very, um, it was very attracting. Yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. You are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. Today we're talking about The Deep, Paddington 2, Star Wars The Last Jedi, The Greatest Showman, The Post, and Ferdinand, and also Gumby, uh, Gumby's Christmas. So, right, sorry, I'm going to read you. You are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. Today we're talking about The Post, The Greatest Showman, Ferdinand, Star Wars The Last Jedi, Paddington 2, The Deep, and Gumby, Gumby's Arctic Antics. Right now I'm talking with Gary about Gumby Arctic Antics. So welcome to the show, Gary. Thank you very much. So tell me a little bit about Gumby's Arctic Christmas and what is it about? Uh, so pretty much Gumby's uh, Arctic Antics, it's a collection of different episodes from the very classic show of Gumby, which was on from the 50s to the 60s to the 70s. There are hundreds of episodes. But anyway, this is a collection of a few episodes that have to do in theory, with uh, the holidays, you know, with Christmas and specifically the Arctic region, you know, the North Pole and kind of a few of the episodes mentioned Santa Claus and have him as a character and different things like that. And it's just a nice collection of episodes. But something I actually kind of found interesting is a lot of them also have to do with like historical references, like goes back to the pilgrims or goes back to the Revolutionary War with George Washington, different things like that. Wow, that's really interesting. So you were saying that it incorporated history. How did they do that? So pretty much how Gumby, the Gumby world is structured is Gumby and his other uh, friends are toys in a store and they can go into different books and kind of explore the world in those books. And of course, there are some books about history and some books about the Revolutionary War. So for example, one of my favorite episode was when they, uh, in an episode where they go to the Delaware River, and they meet George Washington, who's about to do a sneak attack on some enemies, and they help him out. And I thought that was a great uh, episode because it was really funny. And on top of that, it was still really educational. And I learned a lot about that fight. And it's, apparently, it's a very famous battle that I never even learned about. And, you know, it's our own country's history. So that was just really nice to know. And there's so many examples of that. Wow, that's really great. It sounds like a great collection of videos, and it's a really unique idea having characters jump into books. So how did you feel when watching it? Were you excited or sad or happy? Well, I've been doing a lot of Gumby reviews for a while. I mean, I don't know, maybe a year to two years at least now. And every time I'm you know, genu genuinely enjoying the episodes, even though they're meant for kids, just how imaginative and just how fun and adventurous these episodes are, they're really for all ages. Well, that's great. I love it when uh, DVDs or movies sort of bring out the child in uh, ourselves. So uh, you were saying that you've seen a lot of the other Gumby movies and DVDs. So how does this one relate to those? Or how is it? Is it better or is it worse? 
I don't think it's the worst, but I also don't think it's the best. I, there were a lot of episodes that, and this isn't, you know, there's, there's nothing you can do because the a lot of these were released half a century ago. So I feel like some of the episodes' endings were very open and didn't really even address the conflict whatsoever. It's like they went through the conflict and then they didn't really solve it whatsoever, which was a little disappointing because it discounted it and kind of made it a useless story. And something else that I felt that they specifically, the people who made this DVD could have improved on was the episode choicing, because I understand that, you know, over four or five decades, you repeat some ideas just by accident, but they chose two episodes that were almost exactly the same kind of jokes and conflict and style. And that was a little disappointing to see because there weren't too many episodes on this. So to have an entire episode, that's almost exactly like another one was a little disappointing. Yeah, I understand that. Um, how is the claymation? Uh, what did you think about it? I, you know, I love Gumby claymation. It's just so beautiful. It's so smooth. It it just looks great and it feels great. And I love how imaginative it is and just how smooth it is. And there's quite a lot of things that you have to remember. This was made, you know, decades ago when they didn't have CGI. And if they need a body of water, they could just tell the computer, make me a body of water, you know? So they had to get creative and how, how could they do this with clay? And there's some kind of neat things that they do because, you know, they want to tell a story, but they still need to do it in claymation. And it's just, you can see how creative they were. Yeah, that's really awesome, especially when um, DVDs have and movies have that one little thing that makes them unique. So uh, what would be the star rating and the age range? Well, for the star rating, I'd have to say I have to give it four out of five stars. You know, it's a great set of episodes, especially for the holidays. I mean, there's a lot of holidays going on right now, and it's great for the family. The adults will get a few laughs. There's a few literature references that I think the the, uh, adults will enjoy, and there's still a lot of great moments for kids. And in terms of um, age range, speaking of that, I would have to give it an age range of 11 to 18. Okay, that's really great. Yeah, everything you said has made me want to watch it. So thank you for being on the show. Of course. Thanks so much for joining us and have a wonderful holidays. Thank you for joining us today. You have been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First Film Critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. And once again, happy holidays! Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know more about which movies are playing and can make an informed decision. Tune in again next week.